Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. Or open your digital Bibles. We're going to start a new Bible study tonight. We're going to start the book of First Thessalonians. I've never taught this book before. First Thessalonians. And so I'll just start with the joke, right? So the teacher said, Paul, give me a sentence beginning with I. So Paul, he starts and he goes, I is the, and the teacher cuts him off. Look, <laughs> no, Paul, you must say, I am, not I is. So Paul said, yes, ma'am, I am the ninth letter of the alphabet. <laughs> so there's been some recruiting struggles um, in the armed forces, and you've heard that the Army's having a hard time. Uh, The Navy has actually begun to recruit people that are legally blind because it's the shortfall of the, yeah, they're sending them out to sea. (laughs) (laughs) It might actually be true, but it's not as a joke. Okay, so... uh, there are, there are belts in, in martial arts. So one of the martial arts that's very common now is called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And there's five primary belts. You start out, they give you a white belt, and then you go to blue, purple, brown, and then black. And this isn't a joke, this is true. And uh, then within those belts, they give you little stripes. So you can, within the belt, get stripes or degrees on your way to the next colored belt. So. You start with the white belt, they give it to you. So my question to you is, if anyone has an idea, what do you think the hardest belt to get is in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? The white belt. The third? White belt, first belt. Why? Because people quit. They give you a white, but he's actually right. So people don't start. The hardest belt to get is the white belt because people never start. No, they give you the white belt, but people don't show up. So well, I said that because I want to teach on the theme of beginnings uh, for this Bible study. And one thing that I learned in the ministry is God can use you if you're out, if you're moving. They say it's easier to steer a car if it's moving, if it's just, you know, it doesn't, if it's not on and doesn't have this, the power steering assist and you're just like doing this. Well, Paul was on a second missionary journey. I'm going to give a little background to Thessalonians and how this church got founded. Well, he was on the move for God. And if you go to Acts chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. Um, he, he was thinking, maybe we'll go to Asia and preach. And so he goes towards Asia and the Holy Ghost forbids them to preach in Asia. So he's like... Okay, you know, when it's not always a straight line in the ministry. You try to figure things out as you go. So, um, so after they were come to another place called Mycia, uh, they essayed or tried to go into a place called Bithynia. And the Spirit of God said, no. So he's moving and it seemed like, okay, you don't want me to go here. You don't want me to go here. And then 
the Bible says he had a vision at night or a dream. And there stood a man from Greece, Macedonia, and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. So after he got that direction, he went into Macedonia and from there, he went to some of the places in Macedonia. One of them was Philippi. And I don't know if you remember this. He got beaten and put in jail in Philippi. And then he prayed and the earthquake happened and he got out. Well, then he left Philippi in Acts chapter 17. So he's having a rough time of it, right? But he's on the move. Sometimes we don't think being on the move is doing anything. As a preacher, all these bad things are happening. Look at the life of Paul. Craziness upon craziness. But he was being led by God. He had his white belt, right? And this one uh, teacher said, a black belt is just a white belt that was consistent. That's all a black belt is. They just kept coming. They kept getting beat up. And uh, they eventually learned, right? That's exactly how it works. In Acts chapter 17, the Bible says in verse 1, I'm giving you an idea of how Thessalonica became a church. It said, now when they had passed through... Amphipolis and Apollonia, these other, these other cities, they came to Thessalonica. So on this circuitous route, God is using Paul finally, and he goes into a synagogue, and he preaches about Jesus, and he would always go to meet his countrymen first, and he preached about Jesus, and... Uh, and it says some of them believed. And so the, the church was started kind of like right there. And uh, what happened, though, is uh, the people that didn't believe, the Jews, got envious. And envy is a powerful thing. Jealousy will get you to do things that are not in your character, right? So they were jealous. And the Bible says they set the city in an uproar. They gathered these fellows called lewd fellows of the baser sort. Yeah, the, the lowlifes, right? They, they gathered up these fellas. They set the city in an uproar like a riot. And so what happened is in verse 10 of chapter 17 of Acts, the brethren, this is the new church, they sent Paul away. So Paul winds up a few chapters later. He's in Corinth. And you know that he writes some letters to that church too. Well, he was in Corinth. Well, uh, Timothy and Silas catch up with him in chapter 18. So he's in Corinth. He's sitting down with these tent makers, Priscilla and Aquila, making tents, working because he's got no money. And he's probably a little discouraged because everything's gone wrong. But, uh, and it says in chapter 18 that in verse 5 of Acts, when Silas and Timotheus, so these two men were come from Macedonia. So they finally caught up with Paul from the church in Thessalonica, uh, the church of the Thessalonians. And so they were giving him, no doubt, input. This is how the church is doing. They need help here. But they're, and so Paul doesn't have time to go. But Paul writes a letter. And it's the first of Paul's epistles. This was the first letter Paul wrote. And it's one of the oldest letters in the Bible. It's one of the oldest letters, one of the first letters in the entire New Testament. So, and we'd like to talk about beginnings. So, and the theme of this uh, chapter, it's a small chapter, it's 10, 10 verses, is small groups. Now, small groups are a big thing in the church world now. When we have like, a, this is kind of a small group, but you have a people at your house, we have a ladies Bible study that's kind of a small group, and I'm not invited. But, uh, you know, the ladies are able to share things within their all 
ladies. I think most of them are moms, right? Were they all moms? So they have a lot in common, and they're able to share things that they might not feel comfortable sharing with men around or boys around or kids around. And that's great. And so we want to look at the theme of chapter one. There's a lot of small groups and specifically groups of three. So that's our theme for the beginnings here. Uh, And I don't know who's going to try to join the Navy later, but um, you don't have to see very well. Paul and Silvanus. Now, Silvanus is just another name for Silas. So this is the the team. The first group of three is the gospel team. Paul and Silvanus or Silas. And Timotheus, otherwise known as, a.k.a. Timothy. So these three. Unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting. uh, Jesus had a small group, his twelve disciples. Paul was either with Barnabas or Silas. He had a team. Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. Jesus was into small groups. But it's interesting that Paul doesn't say that I'm an apostle and these two inferior men are with me. It's an amazing thing. When you find a real person of gospel character, it's not about your title. We try to put ourselves down in the ministry and lift Jesus up. So Paul just puts himself right in the mix with Silvanus and Timotheus. And Jesus said the greatest among us as Christians is going to be the servant of all. And if you want to promote unity in the little small group that you have, and my family is a small group. We're a family of three. So my wife, my daughter, and myself. So we have a small group. We all fit in one bed still. We're still a small group, right? But you promote it by service. And if you want to show love to someone, put yourself a little bit lower. Help them out. Be a blessing. And it promotes that love and that unity in the small groups. God uses small groups. And you know that this huge uh, Christianity that we see, we can go see churches anywhere in the world. We're in Turkey and we saw a church, started out as a church like 1,500 years ago, the Hagia Sophia or Hagia Sophia. Now it's a mosque, but there's churches everywhere. But it started out with these little small groups. So the Bible said to despise not the time of small beginnings. And, uh, you know, if you got your white belt or you're going for your first exercise or you're going, uh, you know, that uh, we were talking to someone and they had been going to the gym and they said they finally got their like, energy back. It's like they turned a corner. Remember, Sister Bigelow, we were talking to someone? And it wasn't like overnight. It took some time. So you got to have an understanding that you start small and you know what? Give it a little bit of time to grow. You don't plant something, right? Plant a plant and then like, man, I planted that yesterday. Where is it? It's growing. But you know what first grows? The roots. They grow down. You just can't see it. But a lot of times when we can't see things, they're growing. But they're growing how we can't see. Uh, Things move very quickly when we trust people. But in order to trust people, you got to build that very slowly. And you know what it takes to mess up your trust with someone? One thing. You have to slowly build that trust. And you do that over time. You do that over time. Uh, I think, um, was it 
I was some time ago, someone was going to use our car. Sister Velez, my wife's like, oh, just take it. And she's like, your car? It's like, we trust you. Yeah. You don't remember that? Yeah. It's, you don't remember that? Okay. Well, we both do. You're going to have an out-of-body experience, but we trust her. But it's over the years. It's, you've known these people, but small groups and getting to know people don't uh, think that it's like when you go to a church, there's not that many people. Oh, I was a preacher, but it's not. No, it's where you get to know people and trust people and be part of their life. It's a powerful thing. God uses small groups. So verse 2. We have small groups, we got gospel groups, and then in verse 2, we have gospel grants. Grants are things that are given to you. And he starts in verse 1, and it comes into verse 2. The Bible said, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. But there are two that are mentioned in the first verse. The first one is, grace be Unto you. you know what grace is? The Bible said the kindness of God is enough. You know how people think I don't have enough, I need this? God told Paul, my grace is enough. He used the word in the, in the King James, sufficient. It's enough. Let me tell you what, the grace of God is more than enough. And the Bible said that Paul was saying, this is a grace that's a grant. He's not letting you borrow it. He's giving you his kindness. And the Bible said not only the grace, but if you have enough, then you can have peace. You know that the peace of God, the Bible says it passes all understanding because it doesn't seem like you should have peace. But preacher, don't you know that the politics? Yeah, every four years it happens. Well, don't you know that the inflation, every certain amount of years it happens. And you know what? We can still have peace. Anyway. You know, when you were a kid, you didn't know how crazy the politics were. You didn't know what the interest rates were and the mortgages. All you knew is you pulled up and ate some mac and cheese and that's all that you cared about, right? You get your peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you gave your mommy and daddy a hug. You could have peace because you trusted your parents. And you know, that's exactly where the peace comes from. We can trust God. And this church was trusting God. The last one though, grace, peace, and the Bible says thanks. It says it at the end of 1 Thessalonians, but I like Ephesians 5 and verse 20. It said, uh, giving thanks for all things. That is a hard scripture. Unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you give thanks when that light's red? When they get your order wrong? When your fries are cold? Ooh, not when the fries are cold, preacher. My fries don't really get cold. You know why? I don't buy them. But four bucks to get fries. I'm like, come on. I bought one potato. One potato. My, my wife said, get one potato at Publix. It was one potato with dirt on the outside. I mean, it's a potato. Like $1.60 or something. One potato. And it wasn't made into french fries. It was a raw potato. But you know what? Um, even if your fries are cold, you can still give thanks. Just go back and get some. They'll give you a free fries. Just go back in there. But be thankful. Be thankful. Giving thanks for all things. But Paul was saying that this is a grant. You know, if you can be thankful for everything and no matter. And I, I was sharing this with brother when we were in the car. But the gospel doesn't say and the Bible doesn't say that everything always works out for the Christian. 
And somehow you can think that like, your life isn't right with God if things aren't always working out. But the Bible doesn't say everything's good. It said everything works together for good. And so I was sharing with the brother, not that everything that happens to a Christian is good, but you just have to know that if it's not good, God's not done. God's still going to work it together. Even these crazy situations that we're all going through, God still loves you. And God works it together for good. And we can thank him for that. And you know that I can thank him when I'm going through. And it's very difficult to do. But when, when you're going through something, you don't see how it's going to say, God, thank you that this is part of the ingredient that is making your recipe. And I, I, don't, I don't understand what it is, but I understand it's necessary. If you cook some Asian food to put fish sauce in Asian food. Does anyone know what fish is? It fish or fish sauce? Fish sauce, one of the nastiest smelling things. It smells like a dead body. Okay, that's what it smells like. But it makes the Asian food taste really, really good. But you see, we don't want to get focused on one ingredient in our life. I'm sorry, that wasn't trying to knock Asian food. I mean, but um, you even have to put salt in different things. And if you ate it by itself, it'd be nasty. But you put it in baking powder and different things. If you eat it by itself, you ever got like a clump of baking powder in a waffle or a pancake and it's nasty. But if it's all mixed in there, it makes the food taste wonderful. That's what God does. And that Thanksgiving helps mix all those ingredients up. And then we realize, God, you're making a masterpiece. You know what you're doing. And I'm going to thank you for it. Why? Because God has everything in control. That's why when Jesus was sleeping in the storm, the disciples should have just snuggled up next to him. And just say, hey, let's just snuggle up and sleep. Why? Jesus is in control of the storm. Amen. Gospel, verse 3. Gospel basics. Gospel basics. Now, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians at the end of 1 Corinthians about the, the abiding things, the things that abide forever, the things that don't last but or don't, don't cease or don't quit. But the Bible says here, and they're, they're basically presented here, the gospel basics, remembering without ceasing. This church had a testimony. Your work of faith and labor of love, labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. The gospel basics are faith, hope, and love. And no, notice it says your work of faith. Faith is a work. It takes work to trust God. But then it said a labor of love. You know, working for God is work. Anything you do for God is work. Prayer is work. Reading your Bible is work. You all came to church that's work, but let it be a work of faith where I'm coming to have God speak to my heart. And the labor that we do when we wash the dishes or we do the laundry, let it be a labor of love with that attitude that I'm doing this on purpose because I love my family. I'm doing this on purpose because I love my neighbor. That's a labor of love. And Paul said, you have these characteristics in your church. And he said, this is really the thing that was lacking in, Thessalo in, in uh, the church of the Thessalonians. They were a brand new church. Is their hope. They were going to be helped out a little bit later with the hope and they were going to have some things explained to them about the second coming of Jesus Christ and about the rapture of the church because those things once we have those things figured out brethren we can have hope 
Hope is what happens in the future, right? And you say, well, preacher, what's going to happen next year? I don't know what's going to happen next year. But I know that Jesus has everything worked out to the end. That's our hope. And that's what Paul, as later in the, in the uh, letter, he begins to address these things in this young church. So the, the verses 5 to 9. And oh, one more thing. It says in this little small group of three, it says in the sight of God and our Father. You know, God sees what we're going through. God knows, and the Bible says that God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. God knows what you do. God knows it's in the sight of God. Amen. Sometimes little kids think they're getting away from something that look all sly, but their parents know what's going on. Like, oh, come on. We've been around the block before. We know what you're doing, right? But what's more than that, God sees. God sees our life for him. The, the verses 5 to 9 is gospel evidence. The evidence of the gospel. So let me read these verses and then let me show you the three things of the small group of this gospel evidence that is in this church. And Paul was commending them. He said, uh, excuse me, verses 4 through 9. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. How do you know that you are a Christian? Here are three things, right? For our gospel came not unto you... In word only. So the first of the group is word. The words of the gospel. But also in power. And in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance. The second one is power. The gospel is not just talk. The gospel is power. As you know that what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. The third one is life or change life. Words, power, and life. And then the Bible says, For not for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Paul's life changed when he became a Christian. And he was saying that if you want to know your election of God, so there's three things, this small group, words, power, and life. A lot of people understand the word of God is words. You know, I'm speaking right now. But you're missing out if that's all that the gospel is to you. The gospel isn't just opening up your Bible. You know, I had a Bible before I was a Christian. I didn't read it. It was just words. There was no power, and there definitely was not a changed life. My life was not changed. So the, the gospel really didn't have anything for me. But uh, when, remember when, in, in, uh, it's in different gospels, but when that man was let down from the ceiling, he was paralyzed. And Jesus looked at him and he goes, your sins are forgiven. And they looked at him and said, hey, who can forgive sins but God? What are you doing? And he said, which one is easier to say? Is it easier to say, forgive your sins or rise up and walk? But then he said something. But that ye may know that the Son of Man 
have power on earth to forgive sins. That's the words, right? That's the message. He saith unto the paralyzed man, rise up and walk. And he immediately rose up and he took up whereupon he lay and he, he left that place. Well, then you have the three parts of the church, right? You've got the words, you've got the power, and then you look at that man. You've got to change life. That is what church is. Uh, when I heard the gospel, uh, it, I remember one word that the preacher said, Reverend Madra. I remember one word he said. But you know what? God began to deal with my heart. The power of the Lord began to deal with my life. And then I changed my life. All of the things happened. It wasn't just words. Jesus sent his disciples out to preach in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7. And he said, as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Say, well, big deal. That's just like words. But notice what he said after that. Verse 8, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. He goes, just like, just as easy. This just rolls off. He goes, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. What? Cast out devils. You know what? If you start doing that stuff, people are going to listen to what you say. If you just walk by and touch granny, granny's laying on the, in, the, in the coffin and you touch granny, say in the name of Jesus, rise up. If you go by this crazy guy talking to himself, beating his head against the wall and say, demon, get out of there in the name of Jesus. And the man just all of a sudden has a sound mind. Then people are going to listen to your words. You see, the changed lives by the power of Jesus Christ caused the gospel that's one reason the gospel has spread. The gospel has spread. I remember this one preacher was talking about, I think it was in the Philippines. And there are a lot of Muslims in the Philippines. And uh, so this, this, this group was out there and they were trying to preach. And they weren't getting any results, right? There were a lot of other people out there doing all the other religions and different things. So someone gave them an idea. Why don't you pray for healing for some of these people out here? And you know what they began to do? They began to pray for people to get healed, and they were healed. And then when the power of God came in that place, then the gospel started to take root in these places. You see, the gospel comes not only in word, but in power. That our faith wouldn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I remember this one brother, he was upset about something, and he goes, how do you know you're a Christian? And I was like, man... I mean, this is like in Bible school. I'm like, guys, like challenging my Christianity. I think he was having a, a, a bad day, right? <laughs> but, but I said, I had to think about it. Like, what do you say? I said, well, well, you know, God changed my life. I gave my life to Jesus Christ and he changed my life. Just like this. I, I heard the words of the gospel, but the power of God got me out of sin. That's why I know I'm the Christian. Because I did what the Bible said and I had Bible results in my life. But anyway, I think he was just having a bad day. Brothers have bad days too. This is 23 years ago or something. But the last one, the last small group, about at a time, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You know, I really don't fear the devil. The devil's not your greatest enemy. You know what your greatest enemy is? The Bible said our God is a consuming fire. You don't want to get on the wrong side of God for eternity. You know what? I can deal with the devil for a little while, but the devil doesn't run hell. In fact, he's not even in hell. You've seen all the cartoons. He's with the pitchfork like, nah. And he's like, like the fires. And he got a little tail with a little like, like perfect point on it, like a spear point. 
If he was in hell, how come he's the prince and the power of the air messing with you and me? No, he's around here. He's walking around. In the book of Job, he's up in heaven somewhere presenting himself to God and uh, you know, accusing Job. He's the accuser. He said, the Bible said he accuses night and day. He accuses you and I night and day before God. That's what he does. But thank God, the Bible said, Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's like, Father, that guy's a liar. You know that guy's a liar. Father, that guy's a liar. I, I died for these people. They're my people. I paid for their sins. Well, he was true. That, that person did do that, but I paid for that on the cross. And so Jesus, the Bible says, we have the Father in the verse, first verse of the scriptures in uh, chapter, chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible talks about the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But also we find that the power of God and the labor of love comes in verse 5 through the Holy Ghost. So you have the Father in verse 1, the Holy Ghost in verse 5, and we have Jesus. See, the Bible is a trinity. It's not Jesus only or the Father only. There are three persons in the Godhead. That means three bodies. It's not one, one God because Jesus, when he was in earth, he prayed to the Father and the Father spoke from heaven. And then the Holy Ghost came out of heaven and abode on Jesus. That's not one. That's not two. But that's three. And so what he was sharing is that their doctrine was right. They were Trinitarian Christians. And then there are some that believe that you have Jesus only. And they don't believe that Jesus and the Father are two different persons. It's interesting stuff, right? But uh, you'll face that out there. But the Bible, it tells us about God now. It's a small group in number. But heaven and earth can contain the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. The heaven is their throne and the earth is their footstool. But it's a beginning to have small groups. And brethren, when you make a beginning in life, don't expect catastrophic change. Except like when your kids start to walk, right? It's one step, you fall. One, two, three, you fall. But pretty soon you start running. Despise not the time of small beginnings. We're beginning. We're kind of in a small group right now. But God bless you is our prayer. At this time, Brother Patrick, could you dismiss us? By the grace of God, we'll see you on Thursday. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Bible study tonight. God, you... Thank you, Lord, for opening our heels to understand your word. Thank you for the preacher, Lord. You are allowing him to teach us the word of God. Father, take us home safe and bring us back here on Thursday for your service. And Lord, we thank you for everything that you do in an Orange Park in Jacksonville. And we be careful to glorify your mighty name. Amen. Amen.